0: Good to see you this morning. Thank you for being here. Uh, Thank you, everyone, uh, serving. um, And uh, Rebecca, leading us in communion. Um, I just had a a thought that I felt led to share uh, before starting the message this morning. City Kids, you're released uh, for your class. Enjoy your your time together this morning. Um, Did you know that you can, any time, any place, uh, share in um, the Lord's Supper, in the communion table. Um, it's, a, it's a spiritual practice, and it's one... Um, you know, when I was young and really uh, in the early stages of my faith, my... Um, uh, the guy that I was a roommate with uh, in the first uh, sophomore year of college, we actually uh, did this uh, at a New Year's Eve uh, party. We just stopped the, and went aside and just spent some time um, in that, that moment of thinking about the past year, thinking about the year to come, but thinking about Jesus and his personal sacrifice and the power of of it, and just took a cup and took a piece of bread and and shared in the Lord's table. Um, Honestly, it's it's one of the most meaningful Christian practices to me. Um, And as we go into the holidays, there are, um, you know, families who will not have someone physically present that was present there the year before. There are some that it has been a really difficult year. Uh, There's there's new babies born, there's new things to celebrate, there's hopes of better things to come in the new year, but in all of it, Jesus must be present. The holidays are not good (laughs) if Jesus isn't present. And uh, there's a little book, a little book that you, you probably can get. Um, Danielle, I don't know, you might let us I know. It might be available through the library digitally. There's a little book from N.T. Wright, The Meal That Jesus Gave Us on the Communion Table. And if you're looking for something for holiday reading, and maybe you might want to start the practice in your own home or even at the workplace or at the workplace, in a car, in the parking lot. I don't don't know, you know, it just was prompted to me, this thought to share with you that that's something that you can do anywhere, anytime to celebrate the power of Jesus who is alive today. Jesus who is alive today. Isn't that good? Aren't you thankful for that? (laughs) Yeah, so maybe get a hold of that little book, maybe... Try that practice, feel free to let me know if you've got any questions on that. This morning, I wanna talk about devotion. It's actually the title of a movie that's being released uh, next week, which I'm I'm not endorsing. I don't know if it'll be any good. It's a a story about uh, the first ever African-American naval aviator and his uh, wingman, uh, Jesse Brown and Tom Hudner, uh, during the Korean War devotion. What do you think about when I say the word devotion? What does that mean to you? Anyone like to tell me? Daniel? Dedication? Gloria, yeah? Chiquetta? Someone showing up over and over, like you do at church, yeah, yeah. Someone showing up over and over and over, right? Presence, engaged, faithful presence, yeah. Anyone else? Devotion. I'm sorry. Commitment. Commitment. Thank you, Danielle. Singular focus. Singular focus. That's good, Dan. Thank you. Yes, Chris. And closeness. Hmm. Closeness. Good. Webster's gives us um, love, loyalty, or enthusiasm for a person. I think that's a kind of a pop culture understanding of enthusiasm for a person. Um, maybe try turning the clicker on and off. Sometimes that does the trick. Um, enthusiasm for a person, activity or cause, dedication, we heard already, commitment to another through love and loyalty, or taking a vow. We're gathered as City Harbor Church today, taking next steps in following Jesus. And in following Jesus, I think it's helpful to be reminded of what he taught. And when asked what the most important thing in Scripture was, where did he go? Quote of Deuteronomy 6, we see it referenced in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. Um, I think it's important for us to understand that this is not a religious legalistic command in a vacuum. It's not an out-of-context, hey, you should do this. No, actually, uh, the Jesus followers believed, we see in 1 John chapter 4.19, we love because he first loved us. God loved first. God started the conversation. God provided. God loved us first. And this love word is the agape love word, which is uh, sincere appreciation, high regard, and devotion. And we don't love God in that way, uh, purely um, the way it works best, by just responding to, hey, you should do this. No. Sincere appreciation, high regard, and devotion, that comes... When we are personally engaged, when we personally are learning more about God, when we come to know God, God, we in the scripture we get the, the use of the word know, and in their language, in the original language, this is a learning that engages all of your intellect and all of your emotions and, and your whole person, your, as they understood the heart, the, the seat of your decision making, not just... Uh, affection or Twitter Twitterpation. But uh, an engagement of your whole self. Devotion isn't the way that God calls for it if we're doing it out of duty alone or out of just some response to, hey, you should do this. You should do that. Chance the Rapper. The, uh, thank you, I appreciate that. I'm still alive here in this moment. No, no, the, the loving God in this way, it does... It is about commitment, but it it isn't pure and strong and and effective in a a transformative way without us being engaged to learn more about who God is, because the more we learn about who God is, the more it inspires, it automatically, our reasonable response and our sense of wonder, it, it automatically, the more we learn about who God is for ourselves, in ourselves, in our own journey, out of our own effort, this response comes. Whoa! It's not about taking a class. But it does involve learning. And the focus is God. Love God. So let's just let's talk a little bit about God. The names of God in Scripture are, are largely ways that people described who they had found God to be. See, you can forget what you learn, but you will never forget what you know. In the sense of the biblical word, no. And the names of God are things that people had come to know about who God is. And lately, I, you know, I've been uh, listening to this song, Forever Yahweh, which references just a few of the names of God. And we actually, I've been thinking a lot lately about the theology that, that we get from the Lord's Prayer, the pattern of prayer that Jesus gave us. He said, "Pray like this: May your name be kept holy." Jesus, uh, Jesus referred to the in this case. He says, "Abba, Father," but in another instance, he says, "Holy Father." When he prays, he says, "Holy Father." He teaches us to pray, "Father, may your name be kept holy," like it's above any other, greater than it's more valuable than it, it's to me personally and let's not get it twisted this is a whole lot this personal engagement with god is a whole lot easier when we do it as a group that's why we're here today and why we engage in the weekly small groups and why we engage in other ways that we interact with each other personally it's easier when we do it as a group activity that's how it's described in the new testament but jesus teaches us to pray father may your name be kept holy so let, let's just look at the song Forever Yahweh, which maybe we'll do in the future. References a few of these. I'll just put them up on the screen. They'll be in the notes on the, the post on the website and in the future. Adonai, uh, which simply means Lord, uh, Most High God, Everlasting God, the one who sees. You've, you've heard me reference that one often. God Almighty. The mighty big God, the biggest. Yahweh or Jehovah, the the Lord God who always exists, who always was, who is now, and who always will be. The one who provides, the one who sanctifies, our banner, our healer, our shepherd, our peace, the one who is present. The one who is our righteousness. There's an amazing truth we get in in, in Scripture. God said through the prophet Malachi, I am the Lord and I do not change. I think that it's possible that God is the first living spiritual being who doesn't change. Jesus in the same way. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, these last three weeks have been really challenging for me. And the reality is that in life, we're either at a place of reflecting on a challenge from the past, going through a challenge now, or looking forward to a challenge that will come in the future. <laughs> Is that a little dark? (laughs) Fighters are trained to keep their hands up. We go through a challenge. There's kind of a natural, a self-defense mechanism to bring your focus in. I took Taekwondo, you know, and I... So I've, for self-defense purposes, I've taught both of my kids how to throw a punch without breaking your hand. It's, a, it's an important life skill. My mom actually teaches self-defense to college young ladies. It's a common self-defense response to bring your focus in when you're being challenged face-to-face. When you're facing a challenge, there's a really important spiritual principle. And that is that the challenge is not my focus. I don't pretend that the challenge isn't there, but it's not my focus. God is my focus. No matter how I feel, God has not changed. That's really, when you're going through a challenge, that's really hard to hear, to think about. Because my whole world has changed. All I can think about, all I can... My focus is like what I'm going through. When when what you're going through, um, doctors will use the word primary or the word disease or the word disorder to describe something that is affecting your your daily life, your, your your main systems of your body. When you're going through something like that, it's hard to realize God hasn't changed. And I just, I just want to be honest with you. <laughs> you. All of us in this room, we have different life challenges. And I'm not, not trying to make a big deal out of the challenge that I'm going through. But I'm a sane person. And as a sane person, I've had multiple days, particularly in the past three weeks, where I didn't want to live like this anymore. I've had some dark moments. I don't want this to continue. And being human includes the experience of not wanting this stuff to be going on. But God is not indifferent to what we are going through. God is alive, aware, able, active, and already at work. And so what I do, and I'm fighting to get out of bed, is... God, no matter how I'm feeling, you are good. I may be weak, but you are strong. You are worthy of praise, even though I'm going through a challenge. Now, I've learned this in my life, going through deep things in the past. The the death of of loved ones, sudden death of loved ones, I've gone through multiple times. And other challenges, and I, I... Let's turn to the Psalms. I think the Psalms are so instructive with this. And and this this past couple of weeks, I was looking at Psalm 13 in particular because what we don't see here is fantasy. What we don't see here is pretending the challenge exists. What we do see here is actually the psalmist bringing the challenge to God honestly. Watch this now. Verse 2, Psalm 13. How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul with sorrow in my heart every day. How long will my enemy have the upper hand? And what we see at, at the end, as is the case in a lot of Psalms, if you pay attention, and, and, and if you have an understanding of Hebrew, a lot of times the end is actually what they would sing at the beginning. Verses 5 and 6, but I will trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because He is good to me. That's powerful. That's instructive. That's helpful. That is also the power of reflecting on what has been learned from challenges in the past. You maybe have heard People say when you're going through hell, the only thing to do is to keep going. And if there's any power in the human spirit, it's God given. But the only way to actually get through is by relying on God's strength and not your own. Am I talking to anyone today? So Jesus' followers, they understood this principle that we see in the Psalms. We see the story in Acts chapter 16, verses 24 and 25. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. And the rest of the story is powerful. Devotion includes Worship. What we see in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, is that all the believers devoted themselves to God, devoted themselves to following Jesus. It's a devotion motion. And today, this is part one. This is a two parter devotion motion wholehearted devotion, devoting ourselves to to, to Jesus, heart and soul. Wholehearted devotion brings alignment, movement, and fulfillment. Wholehearted devotion brings alignment, movement, and fulfillment. Alignment. Ever had to have ever had the alignment in your car be out of whack? What happens? There's drift. And you end up at a destination different than you're intended. Right? No matter how long you've been in this journey with God, from time to time we need an alignment adjustment. Yeah. What is alignment? It's a arrangement in a straight line or incorrect or pro- uh, appropriate relative positions, agreement or alliance. You, you, you get the picture. Yeah. Again, I want to come back to the theology we learned from the, the pattern of prayer that Jesus gave us. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. Pray like this, our Father in heaven. Because Jesus wouldn't have taught us this if it wasn't true. The people who learned from this wouldn't have been willing to give up their lives if it wasn't a powerful truth. If they didn't find it to be so true that they were willing to stand in the face of persecution and say, No, Jesus is real. Pray like this, our Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is our example in this. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. The way through any challenge that you're facing and the way to whatever, what is the yearning of your spirit the way when you feel stalled, when you feel like life is spinning your wheels and you feel stuck. Momentum that brings fulfillment is most productive when we are in alignment. Too many $20 words? <laughs> are you guys with me? Yeah. Pastor Ben, you spent too much time on this. Yeah, I don't know what you... No, what did Jesus teach us? Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's the most fulfilling thing. And he was our example of this when it got rough. What did Jesus pray? Luke twenty-two forty-two. 42. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Jesus quoted the prophet Isaiah. Jesus learned in other cases... He knew this truth. And God actually speaks to the prophet Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. God says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. Says the Lord, my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Some of us have lived long enough to realize that we don't always have the best ideas, that we don't always have it figured out. When I was younger, I thought I had the best ideas. I thought I had it all figured out. All of a sudden, we we live a little bit of life. You get punched in the mouth. As Mike Tyson says, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. The life punches in you in the mouth, and all of a sudden, you realize, maybe I don't have it all figured out. And don't get me wrong I me, mean, God helps us learn things, God gives us instincts, there are things that are right in us, there are things, it's a mixture, it's not a binary thing, uh, per se, you know, God gives us good, good ideas, right? There are, there are principles of truth based on knowledge, and, but they, we, we need to exercise some wisdom in how we apply them, right? But we must recognize God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts, God's ways are higher than our ways, A lot of times God is trying to get us to realize that, yes, he has created us as unique as a snowflake, if not more so, with gifts and talents and just a quick aside, let's be careful to not try to do to earn God's love. Don't try to magnify your positive attributes to deserve God's love, to earn God's love. Anything good in you, God gave you. God loved you before He gave you. He gave you the good things because He loved you. So don't try to do so He will love you. He already loves you. I hope that brings you a little bit of freedom. Now getting back on topic wholehearted devotion brings alignment, movement, and fulfillment. This alignment is praying, your, your thoughts are higher than my thoughts, your ways are higher than my ways. Maturing in our faith, I, as you can imagine with what I've been going through lately, I went back to Philippians chapter 4, It was actually because I I was watching some sports highlights and I saw somebody with the tattoo, you know, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that was kind of hit me in the face because I can't do whatever I want to do. And I was like, wait a minute. I went back to the chapter, read the whole chapter. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what Paul is actually writing there is, I know you wanted to send me money, but you couldn't. It's okay, I've learned to be content whether I have a little bit or a lot. It's okay, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The fact that you couldn't send that money in the past, it's okay, don't feel bad about it. That's what he's actually saying in that verse. I draw strength from Jesus. And you know, next week will be five months of, of, of me experiencing a dozen symptoms and debilitating exhaustion, and um, that's a battle. And you, when when you go through things like that, like literally, most days I've not had the strength to read. I've literally, actually, not been able to watch football. Because when I do, my brain gets engaged and I don't have the mental energy for it. But when you go through something like that, what comes to you are the scriptures you memorized. That carry powerful truths. And the songs you sung. When you're flat on your back, that's what comes to you. And what came to me in those moments was Oh, yeah. Jesus is the thing. Jesus is what I draw the most strength from. Jesus is what I draw the most peace from. Jesus is what I take the most pleasure in. Not bacon, not football, not coffee. For me, those are powerful things. (laughs) Jesus is what I take joy from the most. And I started to actually pray, God, don't let this trial end too early before I learn what You want me to learn. What is it You want me to learn? And if what I learn... Is that Jesus is my greatest joy? Isn't it worth it? Isn't it worth it? Jesus is my greatest joy. The wholehearted devotion, God, I love you heart and soul with all I've got, brings alignment, movement, and fulfillment. See, as we grow in maturity in our faith, Philippians 4 and things like that, what it becomes, okay, so there's this realization God is with us. When I'm new in the faith, I might take that as, hey, God's my, Jesus is my homeboy, the bobblehead on the, the dashboard of the car of my life. He's following me along in my journey in life. God is with us as we follow Jesus. Do you hear me? Devotion to God is what I was designed for. What I have learned is that sometimes I experience stress, anxiety, frustration, disappointment because I have set my sights too low on things outside what God has designed me for. And I'm kind of asking God to join me on my journey, my purposes. I'm sure none of you have ever come to that realization, but I definitely had in the past. We will have more peace, more joy, more fulfillment when we're not asking God to join us on our journey, but we have a sense of excitement, a sense of wonder, a sense of adventure, that sense of curiosity. Some people have mistakenly looked at the story of the Garden of Eden and said, oh, God's not into curiosity. (laughs) God wants us to be curious. God created us to be learners. And God wants us to be curious about Him. It should inspire in us a sense of curiosity, a sense of wonder, a sense of adventure, a sense of what's God up to? What is God doing in the world, in me, in my home, in all these places that God takes me? Wholehearted devotion brings alignment, movement, and fulfillment. Okay, in closing, so what should we do? What should we do? Well, first, pray your loving devotion to God. This isn't meaningful, it's not powerful if it's not meaningful and powerful to you personally. And when we come together on Sunday mornings and we get together in small groups and you get together in groups of two or three, do it in all those settings too because it's also easier as a group activity. Pray your loving devotion to God. Your name be kept holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Number two, worship. I came up in a a family of believers that taught the biblical principles of Jesus' followers in psalmic worship. We see in the editor's lines in the Psalms where And a sign leader would say, okay, let's all stand. Let's all shout. Let's all clap. I've given many of you the Bible study book, Worship God. It's like this thick goes into the subject. There is such a thing as a sacrifice of praise. It's kind of a part of what I'm talking about. See, it doesn't matter how I'm feeling. God's not indifferent to how I'm feeling or what I'm facing. But when I'm facing and feeling those things, it resonates with God that despite, like Paul and Silas in the prison, despite being whipped abused, falsely accused, and put in chains in a dungeon, they're still worshiping. Worship is designed for everybody. Whether you can sing or can't. Engaging the best of your energy, engaging the best of your spiritual energy and your physical energy, worship is designed for everyone. Out of wholehearted devotion, worship God. Take the Bible study from the notes today, the names of God, who God has been found to be, and worship God. Number three, ask God if you are out of alignment. This powerful thing in Psalm 139 that gives us this truth that God is all-powerful and all-knowing, knows everything about me, and loves me completely. And in that context of powerful, transformative, personal relationship, the psalmist says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Point out anything in me that offends you. Pray asking God if you were out of alignment. And then quickly, number four, confess and turn away from any way in which you're out of alignment. Don't beat yourself up. Don't live in shame. That's not, God didn't redeem you so that we would live in guilt and shame right. out of legalism, right? Confess and turn away from any way in which you're out of alignment. And then, number five, receive and respond to God's gracious, steadfast love. Let's pray. God, we worship you. Holy Father, Abba Father, Daddy God, your name is holy. It is unparalleled. You are more powerful than any other. You know more than any other. You are more glorious, more majestic than any other. We make a fresh commitment to live for you here and now out of wholehearted devotion, to give you the best of our energy. We worship you because even if we are not feeling good, you are still worthy. You are still worthy of worship. You are still worthy of praise, even if we can't see it. The truth is you have not abandoned us. Your love is powerful. It is faithful. So help us see anywhere that we are out of alignment. We thank you that you were gentle in your guiding us back into alignment. Help us to confess any way in which we're out of alignment. Turn back to you. And God, today collectively we receive your gracious, steadfast love. And going forward today out of joy, a joy we draw from Jesus, the way Jesus has changed us. We live out of a thank you to your gracious, steadfast love. We thank You for it today. Thank You for Your goodness. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Amen, Amen. Isn't God good?